So just checking in what your mind state is right now. So often, um, often we're so involved with the contents of our mind, the thoughts that are going on, that we're not aware of the mind state within which they're arising. And because we're not aware uh, of our mind state, then it's like a, a the, the state of mind is like an, an all-encompassing state, in a way, when we're not aware of it. In fact, awareness is really the all-encompassing state. But when we're not being aware, then our mind state is like the lens through which we're experiencing the world and ourselves. And uh, very easily we identify with our mind state as being who and what we are. It's kind of uh, hard not to, really, because it seems so absolute. It seems so all-encompassing. But the Buddha is very clear that the mind states are not who and what we are. They are simply changing, passing, conditioned states of mind. And so he encourages us to know the mind state as it is. So the, the third foundation of mindfulness, the first being body, the second feeling or sensation, the third foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness of mind. Mindfulness of mind or mind states. So this isn't the, the thoughts, but this is the, the kind of ambiance of the mind. So we might, be, we might be going through days at a time with a contracted mind that's a little bit afraid, averse, keeping things away, and we're wondering why life is so difficult. And then uh, if we follow the Buddha's instruction, we turn our attention back to the state of mind that is present, and we see, oh, contracted mind and then the habit is to want to say oh dear you know I'm just you know so contracted so tense I should be better than this by now or maybe blame some external condition it's because of that person or that situation both of those don't get us anywhere they just get uh, they get us more entrenched in the story so the Buddha is inviting us to turn our attention back to know what state of mind is present now. And first of all, we, we don't notice anything. We don't, we, we're not aware of our states of mind. And then often, when unless it's something quite sensational, something quite special. But even then, we tend to identify very quickly so uh, first of all, there's, there's not being aware. And then usually when we start to be aware, like we mentioned earlier on in the, in the retreat, 
you know, you sit and you start to be aware of the, you know, with, with yourself, you know, not talking, you're not distracted, there's nothing going on. Then we become aware of, of the kilesas, <clears throat> of the, the um, obstructions, the hindrances of mind. So we start to notice the restlessness, the sleepiness and dullness, the ill will, the sensual desire, or we get caught in doubt. So first of all we start to notice these, and then you know, it's useful, like I was saying before, it's useful to know them, because then we can meet them as they are, and, they, and, and knowing them as they are can become the path, rather than the obstruction to the path. And then maybe we notice the, the, the kilesas, but we don't notice the absence of the kilesas. So we notice when the mind is lustful, but we don't notice when it's not. We don't notice, we don't appreciate the absence of lustful mind. Or we notice when there's aversion because it's, it's visceral. But we don't notice when there's absence of aversion. So we take the, the absence of the kilesis for granted. And so, um, so we start to perceive things in a, in a bit of a distorted way. So as we practice, first of all, we need to become conscious. And then we become conscious of what is present and then we become conscious of what is not present and then we appreciate that so uh, right now just noticing is the mind affected by lust right now So we know the mind affected by lust as affected by lust. It's like this. Or we know the mind that's not affected by lust as not affected by lust. And it's like this. We know the mind affected by ill will as being like this. Or, if there's no ill will present, we know the mind that's not affected by ill will as like this. So we may have a mind that's affected by lust, but it's not at the same time affected by ill will. So already, ill will is not present. That's already good. We don't have to become totally fixated on the, the thing that is present. We know it. We don't ignore it. We know it. But it's not the whole picture. Or if the mind is, is uh, confused, then we know there is confusion. I think I've, I've quite often spoken about my practice of mindfulness of confusion. It's very strong, a lot of confusion. And you can't get rid of confusion just like that. Sometimes you just got to bear with confused mind. 
Confusion is like this. It's not a time to make big decisions. It's to be known for what it is. And it changes. So we know when the mind is small, when it's caught up in things. And we know when it's relaxed, peaceful, open, expansive. And what's interesting about this teaching that the Buddha's giving is he's not saying, of course he's always encouraging us to cultivate the wholesome, you know, and to see the, the bigger picture. But he's not saying if your mind is, is um, confused or contracted, then you know, you're a hopeless case. He's saying just know it. And he's not saying if your mind is expanded, exalted, you're close to enlightenment. He's saying know it. So the contracted states arise, they're there, they're uncomfortable, they're dukkha, when we're identified with them. And they pass, they're not who and what we are. And the exalted states arise, the joyful states arise, and they're there and we can enjoy them, and they pass. <coughs> so this is the nature of the mind, this is what the mind does. And, you know, every living being wants to experience happiness, doesn't want to suffer. So we turn our mind towards what is wholesome, what will bring benefit and uh, joy, uplift. But of course you can't keep in a state of joy all the time. I think also quite a... Um, it's like a, a one of the... At least it, I don't know about now, but it, when I was growing up, you know, what we would hear about America, you know, the images of America would be about yeah, joy, joy and uplift, and yay, the Coca-Cola kids, and you know, everything was about yay, joy, 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 and uh, yeah, you can have it for for a little while. It's great for a little while, and then it passes. So to try to keep on keeping joy going all the time is dukkha. So in this beautiful and compassionate teaching, the Buddha is showing us how to be with all of these changing states and to know them for what they are and to let them be and let them go. Not to fix and identify, not to become them. Or when we do become them, because we do, we forget and we become the anger and we become the fear and we become the excitement. When we do that, we remember again, oh yes, this is changing, let go. And when we let go, it's not getting rid of. When we let go of joy, we're not getting rid of joy, we're letting it be. 
We're letting the causes and conditions of joy to arise right now and be like this. And we feel the joy. We let it open us up. We can share it. And we know it passes. It doesn't belong to me. It isn't who and what I am. So the sati, the knowing of all this, that's the place of rest. That's the expansive place, the, the safe place, the resting place, that can know all of the many mind states that arise and pass away. So it's a good practice when you sit down on your cushion each time Check into the body, feeling the body, and then just asking the question, what mind state is present right now? So when you do it repeatedly in that way, you start to see more clearly how the mind changes. And then that gives more of a perspective when we attach and identify with the states of mind that arise. We remember, oh, last time I sat down, I didn't feel like this. The mind wasn't like this. So maybe it isn't who and what I am. Maybe it's just a conditioned mind state. I think one thing that gets, you know, maybe underemphasized is the importance of appreciating you know, the absence of, the absence of the kilesas, the absence of ill will, the absence of greed, the absence of fear, the absence of confusion. Because <coughs> we can only experience one thing at a time. The mind can be with one thing at a time. So maybe fear is present, but there's no lust. Or lust is present, there's no fear, no aversion, or neither fear or aversion or lust are present, and the mind is peaceful, and then we kind of miss it. We miss that wholesome state because we think something spectacular is supposed to be happening. We think it shouldn't just be peaceful, it should be blissful, it should be exalted. And so we miss the the beauty that is actually here. And when we're paying attention to the mind states, it's very clear that this is not about the story. So most of us, you know, when we're not taking care of our minds, we have these stories running. Stories of self, stories of other. And they keep those thoughts and feelings in place. We keep again and again recreating ourselves, recreating others. It gives a certain familiarity, maybe or maybe a certain sense of rightness 
or wrongness, if we're more familiar with being wrong. It gives a familiarity. But it's, uh, it's all stories, it's stories. And the more we're telling those stories, the more we create the realities of those stories. And, you know, it's not easy to get out of them because they seem so real. Because they're running in our minds, the next person we see or the next time we're in that situation again, things happen to reaffirm our stories. And so there they are going on again. We're sure they must be right. During this retreat, I just really want to invite you to put aside the stories as well as you can. Or when they come up, just to question them. Is this true? Not sure. Ajahn Chah would again and again use that reflection. It's not sure. It's uncertain. Don't know. Because... uh, (laughs) You know, every person in this room, even though we're all here together, we're all on retreat, we're all, apart from me now speaking, but we're all keeping noble silence. We're all coming with a reasonably similar intention. And yet probably for every person in this room there is another world going on. We each have our own little worlds going on. And so inevitably when we interact, which we don't do very much on a retreat, which makes it very peaceful. But when uh, in our ordinary life, when we interact, those worlds collide. And sometimes they dance together, sometimes they war, sometimes they just bang up against each other. Because we're each living in our own little world of reality. Difficult. So during this retreat, we have a chance to just be with this experience, to understand a bit more clearly what's going on here for this one, for each one of us. And when we, we, we drop inward and we look within at the, the tendencies of our habits of mind, then we see, you know, do I lean towards being contracted and needing to be under, keeping things under control? Am I fearful? Do I, am I always going out to something new, wanting something different? Am I averse? to the general experience of life? Am I curious? So, you know, these things change, but we have a certain leaning, a certain tendency. So we get to see what's the lens through which I perceive life. We often use these terms like, I'm an aversive or I'm a delusional type. I'm a greed type. We've already created ourselves again. (laughs) But it's just a tendency of mind. So we get to know the tendency of mind. 
and to know it fully for what it is and to know the other side of it to appreciate also the other side of it so people who have a tendency to aversion often also are very discerning can be very good at details at discernment it's like the, the good side delusional types can have a lot of faith and faith is one of the paths that lead us to awakening so we, we look at you know, also lustful types can also be very generous, I noticed. So it's like the. You know, we look at what is, what is good, not only at what is wrong, what is not good. Because we really need to feed the, the goodness and the wholesomeness within our being. We need to put extra effort into the appreciating what is good in this being. The wholesome intention. The efforts made. So it's like we give ourselves a break. We don't have to keep on and on at the bits that are not perfect. Give yourself a break. Appreciate what's good. Celebrate, enjoy, encourage. There's a lot there, every single person here There's not a single person in this room who won't be able to find something if they look. I'm quite certain about that. So we can know the mind states that are present and we can cultivate wholesome mind states. Mind states of appreciation, Gratitude. Patience. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.